Chapter Sixteen of the Mill Mystery by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen: The Green Envelope. Her departure was a relief to me. First, because I had heard so much, I wanted an opportunity of digesting it, and secondly, because of my interest in the engraving she had shown me, and the impatience I felt to study it more closely. I took it up the moment she closed the door. It was the picture of a martyr, and had evidently been cut from some good-sized book. It represented a man clothed in a long white garment, standing with his back to the stake, and his hand held out to the flames which were slowly consuming it. As a work of art it was ordinary. As the illustration of some mighty fact it was full of suggestion. I gazed at it for a long time, and then turned to the bookcase. Was the book from which it had been taken there? I eagerly hoped so, for ignorant as I may seem to you, I did not know the picture or the incident it represented, and I was anxious to know both. For Mr. Barrows was not the man to disfigure a work of art by covering it with a coarse print like this, unless he had a motive and how could even a suspicion of that motive be mine without a full knowledge of just what this picture implied but though i looked from end to end of the various shelves before me i did not succeed in finding the volume from which this engraving had been taken large books were there in plenty but none of the exact size of the print i held in my hand I own I was disappointed, and turned away from the bookcase at last with a feeling of having been baffled on the verge of some very interesting discovery. The theory advanced with so much assurance by Mrs. Simpson had not met with much credence on my part. I believed her facts, but not the conclusions she drew from them. Nothing she had related to me convinced me that Mr. Barrows was in any way insane nor could I imagine for a moment that he could be so without the knowledge of Ada, if not of his associates and friends. At the same time I was becoming more and more assured in my own mind that his death was the result of his own act, and had it not been for the difficulty of imagining a reason for it, could have retired to rest that night with a feeling of real security in the justness of a conclusion that so exonerated the man I loved. As it was, that secret doubt still remained like a cloud over my hopes, a doubt which I had promised myself should be entirely removed before I allowed my partiality for Mr. Pollard to take upon itself the character of partisanship. I therefore continued my explorations through the room. Mr. Barrow's desk presented to me the greatest attraction of anything there, one that was entirely of the imagination, of course, since nothing could have induced me to open it, notwithstanding every key stood in its lock and one of the drawers was pulled a little way out. Only the law had a right to violate his papers, and hard as it was to deny myself a search into what was possibly the truest exponent of his character, I resolutely did so, consoling myself with the thought that if any open explanation of his secret had been in these drawers, it would have been produced at the inquest. As for his books, I felt no such scruples. But then, what could his books tell me? nothing save that he was a wide student and loved the delicate and imaginative in literature. Besides, I had glanced at many of the volumes in my search after the one which had held the engraving, 
yet i did pause a minute and run my eye along the shelves vaguely conscious perhaps that often in the most out-of-the-way corners lurks the secret object for which we are so carefully seeking but i saw nothing to detain me and after one brief glance at a strong and spirited statuette that adorned the top shelf i hurried on to a small table upon which i thought i saw a photographic album i was not mistaken and it was with considerable interest i took it up and began to run over its pages in search for that picture of ada which i felt ought to be there and which was there but which i scarcely looked at twice so much was my attention attracted by an envelope that fell out from between the leaves as i turned them eagerly over that envelope with its simple direction miss ada reynolds monroe street s made an era in my history for i no sooner perceived it than i felt confident of having seen it or its like before and presently with almost the force of an electric shock i recollected the letter which i had brought ada the afternoon of the day she died and which as my startled conscience now told me had not only never been given her but had not been so much as seen by me since though all her belongings had passed into my hands and the table where i had flung it had been emptied of its contents more than once that letter and this empty envelope were in style handwriting and direction facsimiles it had therefore come from mr barrows a most significant fact and one which i had no sooner realized than i was seized by the most intense excitement and might have done some wild and foolish thing had not the lateness of the hour restrained me and kept my passionate hopes and fears within their proper bounds as it was i found myself obliged to take several turns up and down the room and even to open the window for a breath of fresh air before i could face the subject with any calmness or ask myself what had become of this letter with any hope of receiving a rational reply that in the startling and tragic events of that day it had been overlooked and forgotten i did not wonder but that it should have escaped my notice afterwards or if mine that of the landlady who took charge of the room in my absence was what i could not understand as far as i could remember i left the letter lying in plain view on the table why then had not someone seen and produced it could it be that someone more interested than i knew had stolen it or was the landlady of my former home alone to blame for its being lost or mislaid had it been daylight i should have at once gone down to my former boarding-place to inquire but as it was ten o'clock at night i could only satisfy my impatience by going carefully over the incidents of that memorable day in the hope of rousing some memory which would lead to an elucidation of this new mystery first then i distinctly recollected receiving the letter from the postman i had met him at the foot of the steps as i came home from my unsuccessful search for employment and he had handed me the letter simply saying for miss reynolds i scarcely looked at it certainly gave it no thought for we had been together but a week and i had as yet taken no interest in her concerns so mechanical indeed had been my whole action in the matter that i doubt if the sight of mr barrow's writing alone even though it had been used in transcribing her name would have served to recall the incident to my mind 
but the shade of the envelope it was of a peculiar greenish tint gave that unconscious spur to the memory which was needed to bring back the very look of the writing which had been on the letter i had so carelessly handled and i found as others have found before me that there is no real forgetfulness in this world that the most superficial glance may serve to imprint images upon the mind which only await time and occasion to reappear before us with startling distinctness my entrance into my own room my finding it empty and the consequent flinging of the letter down on the table all came back to me with the utmost clearness even the fact that the letter fell face downwards and that i did not stop to turn it over but beyond that all was blank to me up to the moment when i found myself confronting ada standing with her hand on her heart in that sudden spasm of pain which had been the too sure precursor of her rapidly approaching doom but wait where was i standing when i first became conscious of her presence in the room why in the window of course I remembered now just how hot the afternoon sun looked to me as I stared at the white walls of the cottage over the way. And she—where was she? Between me and the table? Yes. She had therefore passed by the letter and might have picked it up, might even have opened it and read it before the spell of my reverie was broken and I turned to find her standing there before my eyes. Her pallor, the evident distress under which she was laboring, even the sudden pain which had attacked her heart might thus be accounted for, and what I had always supposed to be a purely physical attack proved to be the result of a mental and moral shock. But, no, had she opened and read the letter it would have been found there, or if not there at least upon her person after death. Besides, her whole conduct between the moment I faced her and that of the alarm in the street below precluded the idea that anything of importance to her and her love had occurred to break her faith in the future and the man to whose care she was pledged. Could I not remember the happy smile which accompanied her offer of assistance and home to me? And was there anything but hope and trust in the tone with which she had designated her lover as being the best and noblest man in town? No, if she had read his communication and afterwards disposed of it in some way I did not observe, then it was not of the nature I suspected, but an ordinary letter, similar in character to others she had received, foretelling nothing, and only valuable in the elucidation of the mystery before me, from the fact of its offering proof presumptive that he did not anticipate death, or at all events did not meditate it. An important enough fact to establish, certainly, but it was not the fact in which I had come to believe, and so I found it difficult to give it a place in my mind, or even to entertain the possibility of Ada's having seen the letter at all. I preferred rather to indulge in all sorts of wild conjectures, having the landlady, the servant, even Dr. Farnham at their base. And it was not till I was visited by some mad thought of Rhoda Colwell's possible connivance in the disappearance of this important bit of evidence, that I realized the enormity of my selfish folly, and endeavored to put an end to its further indulgence by preparing stoically for bed. 
but sleep which would have been so welcome did not come and after a long and weary night i arose in anything but a refreshed state to meet the exigencies of what might possibly prove to be a most important day the first thing to be done was undoubtedly to visit my old home and interview its landlady if nothing came of that to hunt up the nurse mrs gannon whom as you will remember i had left in charge of my poor ada's remains when a sudden duty in the shape of dr farnham carried me away to the bedside of mrs pollard and if this also came to naught to burst the bonds of secrecy which i had maintained and by taking this same dr farnham into my confidence obtain at least an adviser who would relieve me if only partially from the weight of responsibility which i now felt to be pressing rather too heavily upon my strength but though i carried out this programme as far as seeking for and procuring an interview with mrs gannon at her place of nursing i did not succeed in obtaining the least clue to the fate of this mysteriously lost letter neither of the women mentioned had seen it nor was it really believed by them to have been on the table when they arranged the room after my ada's peaceful death yet even to this they could not swear nor would the landlady admit but that it might still have been lying there when they came to carry ada away though she would say that it could not have been anywhere in view the next day for she had thoroughly cleaned and tidied up the room herself and as in doing this she had been obliged to shift every article off the table on to the bed and back again she must not only have seen but handled the letter twice and this she was morally certain she did not do i was therefore in as great perplexity as ever and was seriously meditating a visit to dr farnham when i bethought me of making one final experiment before resorting to this last and not altogether welcome alternative this was to examine everything which had been on the table in the hope of discovering in some out-of-the-way receptacle the missing letter for which i had such need to be sure it was an effort that promised little there having been but few articles on the table capable of concealing even such a small object as this i was in search of but when one is at their wit's end they do not stop to discuss probabilities or even to weigh in too nice a scale the prospect of success recalling therefore just what had been on the table i went to the trunk in which these articles were packed and laid them out one by one on the floor they were as follows a work-basket of ada's a box of writing-paper a copy of harper's magazine an atlas and two volumes of poetry one belonging to ada and one to me a single glance into the work-basket was sufficient also into the box of stationery but the atlas was well shaken and the magazine carefully looked through before i decided it was not in them as for the two books of poetry i disdained them so completely i was about to toss them back unopened when there came upon me a disposition to be thorough and i looked at them both only to find snugly ensconced in my own little copy of mrs browning the long-sought and despaired-of letter with its tell-tale green envelope unbroken and its contents in so far as i could see unviolated and undisturbed End of chapter sixteen